What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app. We're now on Red Circle as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, and the Five Reasons YouTube channel. We're going to talk about that a little bit today because that's where you can find all of the guys that are going to be joining me. Make sure you hit the like and subscribe button. Also, FiveReasonsSports.com, spell that one out. We have new writers on there covering the heat, so check that out in addition to Mateo Mayorga and Brady Hawk. We do not have a paywall. And check out the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network. Super Bowl's coming up. The props are up there. Go to Prize Picks. Use that code 5, F-I-V-E. Get that initial deposit matched up to $100. That's right. You can play two, three, four, five, six players together. Download it from prizepicks.com on the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store. This was just rated the number one fastest-growing sports product in the country. So go to prizepicks.com. Use the code F-I-V-E. Get that initial deposit matched up to $100. And now... Tonight's very different episode. Uh, five on the floor, ride for my dogs. Where is the thing? You can check the score. Hustle hard, couple scars, wearing bubble frogs. Just like Buckley said, you in trouble, y'all. Kept the floor playing, got an all band. Y'all seen the block, stop with one hand. And Pat, we trust, it's power, have the guts. We're here to bring the heat. Y'all can hang it up. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, welcome back to Five on the Floor. I got Greg Sylvander. No, I don't. I've got Alex Toledo. No, I don't. I've got Brady Hawk. No, I don't. Actually, this was planned today. I gave everybody the night off. Greg will be back here. We've got a week coming up to the transaction. Well, this is transaction season. We've got a week coming up to the trade deadline. So Greg will be back in full force when he's back from a business trip. Gave again Alex and Brady the night off tonight. So we're bringing in three others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. You can find their work all over the network. If you watch the pregame show, you see Jonathan Ramakan. You can follow him at Three Piece Combo. He's the host of the pregame show before floor. Comes on typically an hour before every game. I got Timothy Bain. You can follow him at, I'm not going to go through all the A's, but you know Timmy uh, if you've watched him on the pregame show. We got Brian Fonseca, who's kind of a man of all trades here on the network for fight stuff, for basketball stuff, and of course, he does appear on five on the floor. So I haven't really given them the topics before. Part of that is because they know I don't prepare, so I don't want to change anything here. Um, but I wanted to get some different perspectives tonight uh, because, you know, me, Brady, Alex, and and uh, who's that other guy? Greg. Oh, sometimes, you know, we sort of start to say the same thing. So I'm going to bring up some topics. I'm going to let them go. We're going to go around the horn here a little bit. I'm going to let Brian go first on this one. Because you can follow him at Brian Fonseca, NY. So that's where he lives, the NY. And he has a particular take on this. 
it came out, and I don't even know where this is from, but NBA Central tweeted out that Heat fans are the most negative fans. Brian, why does this bother you? I don't understand that as somebody who's from a city where we have a couple of the most overrated franchises in sports, um, one being the Knicks, who play the same sport, and it, I, like I don't, I look at I look at Heat fans and you know in interacting in interacting with them more over the last couple of years, and I'm like, what the fuck are y'all complaining about? Like, you just had first of all, you got three championships. And there are a lot of other organizations. Wait, wait, I'm going to stop you. I'm going to stop you because I'm going to stop because we're not editing any of this, but I'm just preparing people when Brian speaks. Language <laughs> is going to be a little different for Brady's. Go ahead. Continue. <laughs> we have like this team has three championships. The Knicks have two and they've been around like this is if you're an immigrant who came to New York City at a certain time, this is your team. Right. A lot of my family members, a lot of friends, et cetera. This is their squad since they've gotten here since long before that they've been in the nba for however long and they've gotten two titles and both of them were in the 70s i my dad was a child the last time they won a championship and i've seen all three heat titles and it's like i look at that i look at the fact that they've been to a bunch of championships that they're competitive year in and year out you can you can count the seasons that they've been bad legitimately bad on one hand over the last 20 or so years and on top of that, they have maybe the best coach in the league, maybe the best front office in the league. You could ask other and other NBA organizations will cop to this. We'll say this. This is not just like heat bluster, whatever the case may be, or something you hear this favorite, uh, this, you know, some level of favoritism on five on the floor. Like, no, that's not what this is. This is other NBA teams would say that the heat are up there in both coaching and in front office. You have Jimmy Butler, one of the best playoff performers of his era. You have Bam Adebayo, one of the best young stars in the league. You have Tyler Hero, one of the best young scorers in the league at 25 and under. And every game, especially when they lose, it's just nitpicky complaints. It's people who are really invested into the team where it affects their entire mood. And usually for the worst, because they try to look at all the negative things about them. It's like where Sean Rochester and Greg Sylvander joke, the losses count more than the wins. For the fan base and it's just a lot of shit that just doesn't make any rational sense and me as an outsider looking at this it's like i don't understand why y'all are complaining because again you look at all the imperfections on this roster that we've complained about all season long and they still find themselves in a conversation to maybe at the end of the year they're getting a top four seed in the east and it's totally realistic and that's even without like a significant upgrade because they're just trending in the right direction. Zach Lowe was on ESPN talking about they have the third best offense with Bam and Jimmy on the floor as of late in terms of offensive rating in the entire league. And they're a team that's sort of creeping up in the standings. And it's like, I don't understand the movement to sort of rebuild the structure and get Pat Riley out of here and saying he's what like none of that shit makes any sense. Jonathan, from the other perspective here, because you are tend to be Mr. Positivity uh, on the heat, particularly on the pregame show. And I, I know you engage a little bit with others, but maybe not as much as some of us get into it. Uh, is is what Brian is saying fair? Are Heat fans, I mean, essentially he's saying Heat fans are spoiled, which, which is, he, he's not the first one to say that because literally Pat Riley said that a few years ago, that there are, 
they said he did said they were spoiled. He said that they're you know the big three Heat era fans. You kind of know the difference, right? Because those fans, the ones who didn't go through really any struggle at all, um, and not that most Heat fans have gone through struggle because the that last quarter century has been pretty damn good with a couple of valleys. Uh, but the the, the 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 expectations are unrealistic. Uh, where do you come down on it? So, I mean, I agree with a lot of the things that Brian said, you know, as far as this is a team that has, as far as expectations and compared to other franchises, done a lot of great things. Like, you know, I, I moved to Florida in 05 when I was nine years old and I was able to watch the Heat succeed almost immediately when I started watching basketball. And, you know, from there, seeing, like you said, three championships happen, us going to the finals um, five or six times. Like we have been spoiled as Heat fans, but also to that, we're also, I feel more knowledgeable than other fan bases because we know what it takes to win. And when we know what it takes to win and we see things or formulas that aren't working, I think that we have the right to be vocal about it, right? I don't think that we should be celebrating losses more than wins. And I don't think anybody's really doing that. I think it's more so the fact that we, you know, regardless of the wins or the losses, we need to take an objective look at the team and see if the formula that we have now matches up with the formula that won us championships in the past, because if we know what worked before or what got us close before, we need to be doing those similar things. And, you know, other teams have models of how to build championship teams as well. And, you know, some of them are flashing the pans and just happen one time like the Raptors, but there's other teams that build consistent contenders. And those are the teams that you want to almost structure yourselves like. So, as far as the negativity goes, I do think some of it is warranted just because I feel like Heat fans are, one, more vocal than a lot of other fans, but two, understand more so what it takes to win. So that's why I think just vocalizing what changes they want to be made, I think there's, you know, I think there's a little bit of real a, a point to it. All right, Timmy, you're down in the Bahamas. I was with you uh, in training camp when things, we were very optimistic. Eric Spolstra was talking about it was great that everybody – wanted bigger roles. Uh, he was telling me that he really liked the look of this team, that he had so many guys who could do different things. And, and the season hasn't really turned out, I, I think, the way that they projected. Although, as Brian made the point, it's not like it's off course completely. Like, they're, it's not unsalvageable at this point, particularly if they make a move. Um, obviously, I know you followed things pretty closely during the Big Three era. Do you think Heat fans are spoiled? 100%. Like, I, I had to have this conversation the other day. Majority of these fans, quote-unquote fans on Twitter, started watching basketball in 2009. So they, they watched Kobe's, you know, last two rings. They watched LeBron, which is peak LeBron, you know, 25-26 LeBron, and they were used to the Heat just going to the, fin the finals four years in a row. So I was there when Wade was drafted, and there was still Karan Butler and Odom and the Grants, and like, yes, they as well, and, and um, Brian brought up a good point. His father was a child when the Knicks won a ring. You know, the second most unsufferable uh, fan base based on that on that poll. You know, they have a reason to be upset. I can understand the Knicks being upset. You know, their, their last finals run was the lockout. The not, not, not our lockout, <laughs> 1999, before the Y2K. You know, they could be miserable. The Heat have had maybe, I think, two horrible seasons since I've been watching basketball full-time, which has been since 2000, you know? I can count on my one hand. And, and there's always these arguments, with, oh, I'd rather tank for tank for picks and sort of using the, the playoffs. Where is your guts? Like, cowards, why do you want to lose on purpose? I just think it's fun. Yes, I mean, 
you you would like to have continued success, but look at the Spurs. The Spurs had worthy, I guess, pinnacle of success with the four rings. I think it was like 15 straight 50 win seasons. And I honestly don't know the next time um the Spurs will even make the playoffs again. Even with this Heat team, I said it before in pregame and post, I, I did not think the Heat would have made it to January, but it's not just the Heat. This has been a weird season overall. The Thunder are basically a 500 team. I'm pretty sure SGA is going to be named as a reserved. Um, you have the, um, the Kings are third. Mike Brown is probably going to win coach of the year. Like, this is a weird season overall. And despite all of these things, and like you said, Ethan, um, two players who talked about the most, Downey and Bombers. Depot and Yurt, both who basically started camp with injuries. Yurt will be back um soon. Depot is out slightly. He's played 16 straight games, and we've seen the team turn around and play him, but he has an ankle injury. But no, the Heat season didn't start how it was supposed to. Um, And yes, we didn't get Spider. We didn't get Durant. We didn't get these players. Um, And yes, we were shooting astronomically bad from three. And despite all of this, despite all of these Horrendous things happen to this team in, in in regards to regression. They are one point five games away from home court. <laughs> right, right. No, it's a good point, and and I, and I think as as we look at it, that's kind of what I said yesterday. Is twenty nine and twenty three. They're they're tracking exactly with the two thousand fifteen sixteen team that lost Chris Bosh. Uh, they were they're actually tracking better than that team was before. That lost Chris Bosh at at the at the uh, at the All Star game in Toronto. And and that team ended up getting to the second round within with one addition, Joe Johnson, Luel Deng moving to the four, to the second round, uh, seventh game against Toronto, and they lost because Justice Winslow had to play the five. I mean, they were that close to playing Cleveland in the Eastern Conference Finals. And I think if, if Heat fans could just look at it and say, okay, look at the Eastern Conference now. Is Boston that good? They're good. Yeah, they're absolutely good. Are they perfect? No. Is Milwaukee flawed now? I think they are a little bit. Philadelphia, do you trust them in the playoffs? I don't. Brooklyn, what are they going to look like when Durant comes back and they keep that thing together? Cleveland, we just saw them, okay? We saw them at home, fully healthy against the Heat, and the Heat went in there and won, okay? So, I, I again, this is a flawed team. The shooting has been awful. The power forward situation never should have been what it was. Not Caleb's fault, but he shouldn't have been put in that position. Players like Max and Caleb had some regression as a result of being put in positions they shouldn't be. But, again, with all of that, they still have a better record than the Warriors, the Clippers, the Suns, and a lot of teams that were supposed to be better than them this season. So, I, I again, I'm, I'm holding Ethan, off. I, I need bit. you to repeat that. I need you to repeat that. They have a better record than the defending champion. Absolutely, a- 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 absolutely. And they've had they've had injuries, but and obviously Steph is a huge part of that. But actually, the core of their roster, with the exception of that, has been healthier than the core of the Heat's roster this year. So. For sure. All right. I want to get, we're going to get to another comment. We're going to spin around here a little bit. I do want to introduce one new segment here on the show. Our personal injury attorney that sponsors the network, Eric Rubenstein, reach out to him again. It's ericrubenstein.com. He's from St. Thomas university down here. Magna cum laude, really, really smart. Also a huge heat fan. You can find him at ericrubenstein.com 954-829-ERIC. That's ericrubenstein.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, 
Wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Miami Heat. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Um, and here's the thing. He's sponsoring our injury report here, so let's give it to you. Victor Oladipo is doubtful for the game against the Knicks. Orlando Robinson is out. He's going to be out for about a month. Um, which again, they're going to have to figure out now what to do with that two-way contract, but it seems unlikely that he would be able to hold it during that period of time. They solved the backup center situation. It seemed that way, at least Yurt is not back. So you probably are going to see Dwayne Dedman playing again here. And Gabe Vincent is also questionable for the next game. So the heat may go into the next game a little bit shorthanded. And again, they need to find another solution for a big, and this puts a little bit more of a premium again on getting a big at the trade deadline with Robinson. Now is two-way in doubt and, uh, you're looking again, trade deadline in a, in a couple in a week at this point. Um, do you bring in a reinforcement at that stage? Reach out to ericrubenstein.com at 954-829-ERIC. We'll give you the injury reports as, as updated as we can give them prior to the next game. All right, here's a question for you guys. Uh and, and just your perceptions of this. We'll swing around. Actually, we'll start let's start with Jonathan this time. Bam Adebayo right now is third in defensive player of the year uh, odds at most of the sports books. He's behind Jaron Jackson Jr., who there was just a very long Reddit post about, and he's behind Nick Claxton. Jonathan, thoughts on this? It almost is uh, comical how the national media use things because you'd almost view the national media as like a casual fan because – in no way, shape, or form is Nick's Claxon or Triple J better defenders than Bam Adebayo. Like there is not one world or one planet where you'd rather have one of them, one of those players over Bam Adebayo as your def- like best defender. And I think it's a problem where it just commonly they're looking at statistics: who's getting the most blocks, who's doing this, and they're not looking at true defense and what's going on on the court. And I'm not sure if it's a problem that the media that votes don't watch these games or if they just, you know, look at the box score. I'm not sure what the problem is, but there is an issue with the voting where it's just, like I said, box score watching and you're not actually looking at what's on the court because Bam has easily by far and ahead, not just this year, but for the last couple of years, been the best defender in the league. 
Brian, you're in New York. You see Claxton all the time. Is he better than Bam? No. And <laughs> Net fans, Net fans have had a hard on for him forever. Um, I remember back when his rookie year, Spencer Dinwiddie said basically outside of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, he's the most talented net on that team. Um, maybe there was something to that at the time. I think the thing with Bam is that people are just going to look at this because to Jonathan's point, voters aren't watching every game. And casual voters who don't watch a lot of Heat games are going to look at Bam and see that, wait, he's a center that doesn't average a block per game. How is he going to be the defensive player of the year? Even still, even though we've allegedly gotten smarter because people will say, oh, basketball content is as smart as it's ever been. Um, I don't know if that's been the case because, like, <laughs> there's still a lot of people who don't know what they're watching. You can go on Twitter, you can look at the threads, and some of them are very well done. Steve Jones Jr., et cetera. And you could look at all the things that they do to highlight how great Bam is defensively. And it doesn't matter because the people who are watching these videos clearly aren't voters. So I'm not sure um, if he's going to win it. I think he should. I think last year and the year before, he was the best defensive player in the NBA. And I thought he could have gotten defensive player of the year one or both times. I think it was bullshit last year that he didn't win the award because people like Ryan Rosillo, for example, who I like and listen to his podcast, but was saying games played was an issue. When Rudy Gobert won defensive player of the year for about the same amount of games played, 56, 57, a few years prior on a team that wasn't a one seed, but was like a four or five seed and lost in the first round. Surprise, surprise, Utah Jazz. And he got defensive player of the year. That was the first time he won it. Then he won it a couple other times. And we don't need to get into that. But Bam Adebayo is pound for pound the best defensive player in the NBA and has been for at least two seasons, in my opinion, perhaps even three, guarding one through five, doing all the things he's doing. He's been so good that you see it as soon as Dwayne Dedman steps on the floor and how everything just falls off a cliff. In fact, I think Bam is asked to do too much, and that's why I think they should make a trade, get a four, whatever the case may be, because I'm tired of watching him go out onto the perimeter and then seeing Caleb Martin, no disrespect, and it's not a knock on him, but – Caleb Martin, who's been out of position all year and playing his ass off, but is also playing hurt at this point, guarding somebody like Thomas Bryant and getting out-rebounded. This is why I think they need to size up. But nevertheless, Bam, to me, is the defensive player of the year so far. And at the pace he's going, I think he'll continue to do that. But will he actually get the award? I don't know. They'll look at Nick's, Nick Claxton's blocks. They'll look at Jaron Jackson Jr.'s blocks. And who knows who else? Timmy? So, as you guys know, I play a lot of fantasy basketball, and the Claxton is leading my league in blocks. But defensively, it's not a block stat. You know, um, Bam can defend Curry and Clay and Draymond in one possession. It's still a play from last season where Bam defended the point guard on a pick and roll, and the point guard lobbed the ball, and Bam was able to recover and block the ball. Like, that's still mind-boggling to me that he did that last year. And the year where he probably lost some of his wins because he was out like what eight weeks, six weeks with that with that thumb. Mm-hmm. Bam is looking amazing. And shout out to Nakai, I saw he said that, you know, with Bam's offense this year, his defense has slipped a bit. I don't see it. You know, I I I don't get too deep to the warp and all those type of things. But I don't I don't see where Bam's defense has slipped. I mean, but I do think he is doing too much and but it's halfway like me and me and Brian have been calling them Bam Garnett for years. And he's finally doing it. And, and he's not hitting the mid-range shot. I thought he would. He's hitting the very difficult mid-range shot, the one on the, the other line, like, at the wing. And he's leading the league in that shot. Like, I'm happy that something has woken up and bomb with his um confidence. I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm happy that he got to... Uh, um. Get, get the, these these reps without Jimmy, with Jimmy. 
And I just think that you no, know, Bam is definitely the defensive player of the year. And then maybe, 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 maybe at the bottom is Draymond, but not you no know, Triple J or or um Clarkskins. I, I I think that the Nets are calling Timmy on the other line and trying to change his vote here. But uh, let, let's let's get to the uh, let, let's get to one. We're gonna do this one quickly, and then I got one to end the podcast. So keep this one a little bit quicker. Uh, give me give me an answer and then a paragraph on this. Who's the best player on this team right now, Jonathan? I'm gonna go with uh, Jimmy Butler. When it comes down to the playoff time, like I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that's when you are talking about um still has to go with jimmy butler you know defensively menace on in the league right in the obviously in the regular season he's not going to give you 100 percent on the offensive side but we know what he's going to give you when it comes playoff time so uh, i think jimmy butler is still the best player on the team number one offensively and number two defensively uh brian we know that jimmy um plays differently in the regular season than in the playoffs I've seen Bam be the best player in an Eastern Conference Finals, but outside of that, it's been Jimmy Butler at basically every term. So I'm still going to say Jimmy Butler until Bam does it over the course of a playoff run, not just a playoff game or a playoff series. So to me, it's still Jimmy Butler, even though right now it may have been Bam as of late. Timmy? Jimmy is no longer head and shoulders above Bam. He is still that guy. He's still the match play. He's still number one. But, but I think it's, it's now more of a dynamic duo. It's more Batman and Nightwing than Batman and Robin. I think Robin has grown up. I think this is a two men on the same equal footing as and I and I, I heard both things that tomorrow night, well tonight when you guys hear it, we get two all stars. I do think despite everything that happened this season, if if, if when when they announce both Bob and Jimmy are all stars, I think that's an accomplishment. Um, but we just have to pause and like shout out to because just despite all of the the trash that they've been playing with, and I'm I'm not calling the players trash, just like this whole season has feel like very yucky, you know. Um, despite all that, for those who didn't make the All Star team, I I think that's that's more of um bombs because like we know Jimmy is him, you know. I've been calling Jimmy top ten. Me and Brian have been debating Jimmy's better than PG like for years now, you know, like all the he, he and Kyrie and all these type of guys. So Jimmy is for sure a top ten two way player, maybe a top three two-way player um but bam is no longer the little pup being brought along like being groomed to take over like bam is him um i i fully expect the next year if we get a, a more capable point guard at bam this will be bam's team interesting you mentioned the point guard because that's going to be the next topic uh here after the break by the way i don't think jimmy's going to be an all-star i don't i i did a podcast with brady for the step back podcast which you do for fan side we went through our 12 I don't think Jimmy's getting in. I I, just, I, I know he doesn't want to go, but I don't. Th- I think Bam gets a spot. Um, he absolutely should get a spot. It's a crime if he doesn't. I don't think Jimmy's getting a spot this year. I think the games played is going to be used against him, and and I I just I, I don't see it. I, I, we we got up to fourteen before of guys who I think are more likely uh, overall, including of course the five starters before we got to Jimmy. So we'll see how that plays out. It's obviously a conversation that we'll have. Going forward, I do want to mention one more sponsor, and then we got one more question for these guys. And this one might be the most difficult one. You can hear all these guys, as I said, on the YouTube channel: Jonathan Ramakun, Timothy Bain, um, and uh, Brian Fonseca. You can follow up Brian Fonseca, New York. Uh, if you have a water leak, you don't know where it's coming from. You're dealing with water or mold damage in your home or business. Call Water Cleanup of Florida nine five four five seven nine zero three five six. Let me give it to you again: nine five four five seven nine zero three five six. Michael Robert and the team prepared to handle all types of leak detection issues, twenty four hours a day. 365 days a year, fully licensed, insured, and certified to provide the one-stop shopping 
The busy homeowners and business owners require no need to bring in other contractors. Reach out to Water Cleanup of Florida, 954-579-0356. That's Michael's personal cell or WCUFL.com, WCUFL.com. I'm going to let these guys do it. See who jumps in. If you got the schmutz. They got the we guts. We got the guts. <laughs> oh, my God. Two of you actually listen to this podcast. Where the hell is Robicut on that? All right. Thank you, Brian and Timmy. We appreciate that. Um, all right. Let's get to this. Who should go first? Timmy, what do you do about Kyle Lowry? I'm, I've been told that I'm, I'm ready to trade him as a good game. <laughs> when I want to keep me as a bad game, it's really, it's really, it's really maddening. Like I said this like two years ago, Hero needs to either play, play with a 3 and D point guard who could keep the ball in, in Hero's hands or someone who could take the ball. Hero needs to have his hand, like this middle lane is too much. Hero needs the ball either in, in his hands completely or completely out because it's like he's trying to find his way and either he shoots, um, he shoots not enough or not at all. Hero, I don't know, at this point, you know, I'm happy that Larry also feels like maybe it's his time to go. I'm actually open to a homecoming for Larry and bring me OG. My only fear with Laurie is despite his like takeaway money, I'm not sure I'm ready for Gabe to be the full-time starter on this team. So if you take away Gabe and you trade Larry, then who realistically out there that's like I don't see a point guy coming back as necessarily a better fit than Larry. Like maybe Conley gets you one less year. Um Delo is not it. I'm not even gonna let Brian stand on Delo the man that's not like D'Angelo Russell. Um, I... let's calm let's calm down. All right, <laughs> I was uh, one on a podcast that's the, today that said D'Angelo Russell is the worst player in the NBA that plays big minutes. I didn't say that; somebody else did. Well, he's he has been called the worst starting point guard in the NBA multiple times by various different podcasts. Um, so I don't know why he finds think he'd be such a great addition to this because team. he's not the guy they right. have. But I, but, I, but but also right. also also the guy they have in in January averaged because January is over now. And I'll go to Jonathan now, and then I'll let Brian clean this up. Kyle Lowry averaged seven three and three. Oh my goodness! In January. Yeah. Um. So before I preface, you know, seven three and four. I might be I might be wrong on the the assist part, but it's 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 seven three and three or seven four three and four at thirty seven percent from the field. Anyway, and less than thirty percent from three. Go ahead. Yeah. So before I say anything, I do want to preface this by saying I do have a uh, negative bias towards Kyle Lowry because. As his Raptors days, when he hit that half-court shot, he robbed us in that Dwayne and Bosch versus LeBron potential Eastern Conference Finals. Yes. So I've always personally had a grudge against Kyle Lowry. And the minute we signed him, I was like, we need to flip him for Dane Lillard as soon as possible. But that's just me being a fan, of course. That's not me being realistic. But um, as far as what we need to do for it with him now, I just I think you just need to salvage the value as much as you possibly can. You know, if you can get a trade for him, great i think with him you know going on to by the end of the season season he's going to be an expiring contract i think that will make it a little bit easier to move uh but i don't think you know if you're looking ahead to next season he's the guy you want to be as your starting point guard you know making that much amount of money so if you can you know either trade deadline or going into you know the off season into next year I think you do want to try to look for a change at the point guard because even if you're looking at maybe Gabe Vincent or someone else taking that spot, you're going to know you're going to have some more money to allocate to another spot like a four or a back of five, right? So you're not going to be spending all this money in, on an empty asset like Kyle. So I do think that we should unload him for the best value possible when the time is right. 
Well, the issue with unloading them now is you don't have the asset for the summer, but I, I'm with you. And I think that's a conversation we'll continue to have here leading up to the deadline. What makes more sense? I think it's pretty clear he's not going to be the starting point guard next year. I don't see how he could be putting up these kind of numbers. And, and honestly, Brian, he's already been phased out. I mean, he's not playing in the fourth quarter most of the mm -hmm. time. He's not playing the big minutes. Those minutes are going to Oladipo. Sometimes they're going to Vincent. He's not – I mean, not only is he not one of the top four closers, he doesn't seem to be one of the top six closers at this point. That's how Spolstra tells you how he feels typically. It's about yeah. the closing. It's not about the starting. So uh, what do you do? So to me, you have to explore other options. Um, I don't think the worst thing in the world is having him be on the trade deadline. Like I don't think – like Dwayne Dedman needs to be off the roster by the trade deadline – and I think as is Duncan Robinson at this point, a little bit less so. Dwayne Denman is the one that absolutely, like, you have to do something with his contract. Kyle Lowry, I think you can move him potentially in the summer. But if there's a deal, and if Kawhi Leonard really wants a point guard, you're trying to do something with the Clippers. Because then you're talking about the possibilities of, what if you can move the Duncan Robinson, Dwayne Denman, and whatever pick combination package, if you have to throw in a Max Struess or hopefully not, but Nikola Jovic, like, you know, what if you can move that package and then Kyle Lowry and something else elsewhere? Then you talk about, maybe. right, then you talk about the players that could be coming onto the team, more potential closers, more guys that are exposed to, but trust to close, then I think that is tantalizing enough for you to want to explore Kyle Lowry because I'm not sure at this point what he's really adding to the team. He's not really on the ball as much anymore. He's not adding much defensively. He's not shooting the ball well. He's not really getting guys into spots like he was at some points last year. Is he really adding a leadership quality? Like, I'm not entirely sure. And when I look at the Clippers roster, and by the way, I think in all trades, I don't think you get expiring contracts back. So no to D'Angelo Russell, I don't think, because I don't think this team is it should be trading for expiring contracts. You have to think about next season as well, because I think you might be a little far away this year. Uh, unless you make significant upgrades. But that being said, I'm looking at this Clippers roster. You could do Mar you could do Kyle Lowry for like a Marcus Morris and perhaps a Luke Kennard or a Robert Covington. Like there's something you can do there that theoretically can help a little bit more than what Kyle's giving you right now. So I would explore it. I wouldn't say trade Kyle or bust, but I would at the very least explore it and explore it considerably. All right. Thanks to Jonathan. Thanks to Brian. Thanks to Timothy. Again, find them on uh, Before Floor. Find Brian all over the channel and also here on the podcast uh, we'll have a well actually hangover time is on the channel tomorrow i actually as we're speaking here just got news that timothy meeks uh, who does some work for miami heat beat uh and also here at five reasons sports is actually gonna be covering heat knicks for us at the in the arena tomorrow so that's uh that's good news so you have coverage from tiffany uh we'll obviously have the pregame show here as we usually do with jonathan timothy and the crew and you'll hear from brian again whether you like it or not all right uh thanks to our sponsors water cleanup of florida eric rubenstein.com prize picks uh, and use that code. Make sure you use it. F-I-V-E. Have a good night, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network.